One of the elements that we've talked about is the power of our beliefs. And as I have emphasized, the power of our beliefs are so influential on how we live our lives. I want to now talk about how we begin the treatment process. We've talked a little bit about how to begin the healing process and the recovery process. But I want to emphasize here that as we go through and begin to heal, we begin to believe more in ourselves. So one of the ways that you can begin to monitor your own personal growth is that you begin to believe more in yourself. Unfortunately, I have many people come to me who say, I want complete abstinence and I want it right now. Well, my experience has been that overcoming pornography addiction is a process. If you find that you are beating yourself up because you can't stop perfectly right now, you're really creating a challenge because you're going to feel more shame or guilt because you can't do it. I've had some people say, well, I've been talking with my religious leader. I've been coming to counseling for two weeks now or three weeks or a month, and I still can't stop. Well, what we need to understand that this is a process, and if you're making improvement, and let me give you an example of what I mean by that. I had a client who came to my office, and he was looking at pornography three to five times a week, and that was his pattern, and it's always important to assess what the pattern is inside of yourself. If you've been looking at pornography daily, that's your pattern. If it's once a week, it's once a week. If it's once a month, it's once a month. And what I'm coming to realize is if you're looking at it three to five times a week, then that's going to be the pattern you're going to try to break. If you're looking at it once a month, I'll tell you, at four weeks, you're going to be chomping at the bit. You're going to be what addicts call white-knuckling it. And that's just where you're holding on, just doing everything you can not to give in. That's at four weeks. Well, at five weeks, at six weeks, we know for a fact that addiction takes about 14 or 15 days, sometimes up to six to eight weeks of withdrawal symptoms to kick over the habit. Most addicts try 10, 14 times before they actually eventually break the cycle of addiction. So what I want you to understand, progress is a very measurable thing, but it's understanding your own pattern. If it's once a week, then you're going to say, okay, how am I going to make it longer? What's it going to take for me to do that? And you've got to start believing in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, I want you to take some time right now and write down the reasons you don't believe in yourself. Now, once you've written down the reasons you don't believe in yourself, let me give you an example of what I mean by that. Some people don't believe in themselves because their whole life they've been told that they don't matter much. They don't feel like anybody really cares about them. They've been told by a school teacher, you know what, you're not very smart. They've been told by a parent that they're stupid. They've been told by their peers that they don't want anything to do with them. So they've experienced a lot of rejection. And so in order to create the change that most people desire, they have to start believing in themselves. And what I want you to understand is the moment you start moving in a direction where you start believing in yourself, you start the process of healing. So now what I'm going to ask you to do, and we're going to move forward now, but the process of understanding your own beliefs, I want to just reemphasize that. What do you believe about yourself? Not just because of the pornography, But what do you believe about yourself socially, emotionally? Well, I'm not a very happy person. Nobody really likes me. Whatever those beliefs are, we need to also change those and challenge those. And if you don't believe in yourself and you struggle to do that, I encourage you to go to a counselor 
and seek help just to deal with the beliefs that you have about yourself and not believing in yourself. Now comes the fun part. Uh, I really believe that treating pornography is possible. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some energy. But now I'm going to give you the most common treatment protocol that I use as a therapist. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is an introduction to treating pornography addiction and overcoming pornography addiction. This will not be the last that you're going to deal with this. This is the general tools and the educational information to help you break this pattern and understand it. But I want you to understand that this is only an introduction. That being said, I want to give you the most common tools that I give to my clients. With these tools, I have seen tremendous success, but I realize that it's not all. We're not done yet. So with these tools, I believe you can have the hope and the desire and the belief that you can change. So let's start. First of all, I want you to create a game plan. Now that game plan starts clear back with the reaction sequence. In Appendix 1, you see the reaction sequence. You've already written down your personal reaction sequence. You've created an understanding. Now, why this understanding is important is this. The human mind, the more it understands what's going on inside of itself. In other words, you're thinking about it. You're able to recognize, oh, that's the stimulus. I'm starting to think about looking at pornography. When you start to recognize it in your mind, you are more likely to succeed because patterns that aren't ever challenged or looked at remain the same. One of the healing tools is for you to recognize, oh, that's a reaction sequence that's running inside of me. Awareness is a good part of the battle. And as you notice, most of the assignments that I've given so far is I want you to be aware of the patterns within yourself. So now we're creating a game plan. We've got the reaction sequence understood. You've written down five things that will help you change this reaction sequence. And if I was on a board, I would draw at this point a circle with a stimulus on the left and the behavior on the right. Well, the stimulus is whatever it may be, the TV or a pop-up window over the internet, an email that says something inappropriate, and the behavior is looking at pornography. Well, I would draw a line between those two circles. And I would say, that's the pathway in your mind. What we're doing with the game plan is we're rewriting that pathway in your mind. And that is going to take some work because we know that these experience from the stimulus to the behavior creates a deep emotional impact in your brain. It's a deep pathway that has those chemicals that we've talked about. So now we're going to rewrite it and we're going to reroute this pathway. The stimulus occurs. Now you've got a game plan. You understand your own reaction sequence and you're going to create a new pathway in your mind, literally. And so you've written down five things. I'm going to give you now a list of things that I have seen helpful for people. It's what I call an external list, meaning external behaviors, things that they physically do. My first rule, if you're going to succeed in a game plan, is don't fight the battle at the bar. What I mean by that is this. If you view pornography on the internet and you have a stimulus, it comes from an email, a pop-up window, and you're sitting there at the bar. Now, what do I mean by that? An alcoholic who walks into a bar and says, you know, I'm not going to drink. I'm going to get a glass of milk. 
Well, what happens when the person next to him orders a Michelob light? All of a sudden, they smell it. Smells real good. Uh, I'm uh, well, and they start to what we call jonesing, and they're just having this craving and this craving. If you're fighting the battle at the bar in front of a computer, and you're sitting there being thinking, "Hey, I can win. I can look at one more site that it's not pornography related, but maybe I'll look at the swimsuit issue." Well, you know what? You're fighting the battle at the bar. If it smells like alcohol, if it looks like alcohol, it is alcohol, and it's probably going to end up inside of the alcoholic if he's at the bar. The same can be said true if you're going to fight the battle at the computer when you're just really craving it or that stimulus has come in through the email or a pop-up window or some inappropriate site. you got to get away from the bar. So, in other words, don't fight that battle at the bar. Get out of your room. Move to a different location. Shut down the computer. Whatever you have to do, don't fight the battle at the bar. Now, other ideas. Once you've left your room, is the battle over? Absolutely not. You're still feeling the high of the potential chemicals that have already entered your system. Do you know it's going to take at least 20 minutes for that to leave your system? If you have any sense of those chemicals in your system, your heart rate started going, you're feeling more stimulated, It's going to take at least 20 minutes for those chemicals to leave your body. So if you're going to leave a computer, how many times have you left the computer only to go back and look at it? Probably because once you've walked away, you haven't come up with a game plan of how to fight that temptation or that feeling of looking at the pornography. We're going to say, don't fight the battle at the bar. But once you've walked away from the bar, what you think matters. And so it's important for you to say, I've stopped this. I'm succeeding so far. Now, what am I going to replace it with? Well, here's a list of things that you can do. Call a friend. This is the same concept as an AA sponsor. So you're going to call a friend, call a family member, call somebody, go talk with a roommate, go talk with a spouse, go talk with a coworker. That engages you in some other thought pattern. Now, that's just one example. Go for a walk and don't return until you are certain you won't view pornography. Well, what if it's 20 below outside? Well, you don't necessarily have to go for a walk, but do something away. Maybe that's not the best thing to do this time. Some people go cook some food. What do I like to do? I like to cook food. Well, okay, great idea. Go cook some food. Some people like to exercise. Now, I want to talk about exercise. Exercise is a very, very important part of the process and healing in my experience. Exercise creates a natural high. And the way that works is individuals who exercise, they create inside of themselves a high. Inside of our system, we have 24 amino acids. One of those amino acids is called tryptophan. Tryptophan is what's in most SSRIs or antidepressants. Well, what happens when we exercise 23 of our amino acids go to help heal the muscle that has been strained or stretched. The only one that doesn't is called tryptophan. It gets a free ride into the brain and is turned into serotonin. Serotonin is what helps us think clearly. It helps us feel good about ourselves. It helps us feel happy. When we do that exercise, we kind of can get a natural high. So exercise is a very, very good game plan. Now, sometimes you can't exercise. So again, it's going to need to be a list of five things at least that you say, I could do this, or I could do this, or I could do this when you're feeling like looking at pornography. Next, 
Some people play a musical instrument, and so they'll go play the musical instrument. Some people say, I'm going to go be social, so they'll go visit people. They'll go talk with friends. They'll go talk with family members. Other people, they say, I'm just going to get busy. I'm going to get more. I'm going to work harder. Whatever it may be, that is just a short list of things that you can do. It's what I call an external game plan. If you're spiritual, that could be reading your Bible or your scriptures. If you're religious, some people say, I'm going to pray. Those things work very good, but my experience has been they work a lot more effective once your mind has removed those chemicals from it. Let me explain why. I have talked with people who pick up their scriptures, the Bible, and what happens is when they're thinking about it, the pornography, it's hard for them to focus on the Bible or what they're reading in, in their scriptures. And so what happens next is they say, well, what good does it do me to read this? I'm not getting anything out of it. I might as well go give in because this is on my mind. So they do go give in. So what I'm saying, if you're going to remove yourself, get your mind in the climate where you feel confident and your mind then begins to feel like, hey, I can do this. Then those things are more effective. Sometimes prayer is the only answer. But in my experience, it's mixed with a whole lot of other things as well. That's what I call the external game plan. And at this point, you've probably tried most of those things, or at least you've tried some version of those things, and you're thinking, well, I've already done that. Well, now what? Well, what I need you to do now is create what I call an internal game plan. The external game plan is physically doing something. You're moving. You're doing something different. But an internal game plan is this. It has various different steps, but I want you to think about this. This is all what's occurring in the mind. The internal game plan first requires us to recognize the desire. You know what? I just have a desire to look at this. Huh. Okay. You've recognized the desire to look at pornography. Now, the next step is to stop the thought. If the thought is fantasy in nature or the thought is pornographic in nature, or the thought of, hey, I could look at pornography, stop the thought. Now, how you stop that thought matters. Some people literally create an image of a stop sign in front of them. Other people say stop to themselves. Other people say, hey, I'm not going to go there. Whatever it is, it needs to be a conscious effort stop. Now, what I need you to do next is identify the source. Where did this thought come from? It came from TV. It came from a video that I've been watching that's R-rated. It came from a pop-up window. It came from a girl who was dressed or a woman that was dressed inappropriately at work or at school. Oh, okay, so that's why I'm thinking about pornography. Identify the source or the stimulus that we talked about in the reaction sequence. Once you've identified the source, I need you to think through The outcome. What happens if I give in? Well, let me think about that. If I give in, my wife won't trust me. If I give in, I could lose my job. I'm sitting here at work on the work computer. If I give in, how will I feel about myself? Now notice that. We're trying to get you inside of yourself. We've slowed down the thoughts enough that we're trying to get you inside of yourself. What happens if I give in? 
At this point, we move it from an unconscious process to a very conscious process. It's on the forefront of your mind. You are thinking about, what happens if I do this? Now, once you've done these things, you've recognized the desire, you've stopped the fantasy or the thought to look at pornography, you've identified the source, you've identified the outcome, what happens if I give in? It's important for you at that point to also recognize any of the old beliefs that have been trying to sneak into your mind. Oh, you know what? One more time isn't going to matter. Ah, nobody will know. Just a little bit. Those are the thoughts that will probably come into your mind at this time. Well, I really want to, but I shouldn't. And so you go through this battle. The internal game plan at this point says, wait a second. I'm going to identify the outcome. At this point, it's very helpful to sit down and write down your thoughts. Well, yeah, I have been wanting to give in, but why? That why is the very important question because now we're trying to get at the root or the reason of why you want to give in. So at this point, I want you to go back to the reasons why you look at pornography. It's not curiosity anymore, but are you looking for stimulation? Are you looking for excitement? Are you sad? Are you feeling depressed? Are you overly stressed or worried? Are you feeling alone? What is the reason at that moment that you want to look at pornography? Now, let me tell you a story here. When it starts in childhood, and I'm going to tell you a story of a young man. He was, uh, grew up in a home that was very conflictual. Mom and dad fought a lot, and he found that his only coping mechanism was to go to pornography because his parents were so critical and so negative, not only of each other, but the children. And so there was high pressure from mom and dad. Mom at one point said to her son, if you don't shape up, if you don't do these tasks, I am going to leave. And she said it not only to him, but his siblings. And she literally threatened to leave and never come back. And so here this young boy is is dealing with an abandonment issue of mom. I mean, she's threatening to leave. At one point, she ended up leaving. And it put him in high stress. Well, when he was in high stress, his coping mechanism was looking at pornography. Well, now as an adult, when he's in high stress, he has the pattern inside of him. I'm in high stress. What do I go to? Well, pornography has been the pattern. So once we identified that, it was very, very insightful to him. He was able to say, you know what? The reason why I'm wanting to look at pornography right now is this. My experience has been, if you can get your mind to identify the reason why you're wanting pornography in the moment, you're more likely to succeed. Now, does that mean it's going to be easy? No, because you still might be jonesing for the high. You want the high. It's important then to say to yourself, I'm looking for a high. Well, if you're looking for a high, what's your external game plan? You know what else could replace it? A social experience. Oh, okay. I could go do that right now. I could go talk to my spouse. I could try to talk to them because I don't feel connected or close to them. Okay, so we've identified the, the, the source. We've identified what happens if I give in because you're now identifying the reasons why you're wanting to give in. Then you've gone to maybe your external game plan because once you've thought it through in your mind, it's still important to come up with a game plan. Now, I want to make a side note here. 
sometimes individuals who've gone through this, especially if they're on the addictive level of one through seven, if they're in the one, two, or three section of that, they can go through the internal and external game plan really quickly. And they, they sometimes don't need to go through these steps as frequently, or sometimes they just automatically kick it out. They're able to quickly kick out the stimulus, say, I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give in to these chemicals. I don't want them in my body. But if you're at level four, five, six, or seven, my experience has been that you have to spend more time on the internal and the external game plan until it becomes something that you just naturally are doing. I should also say that it has been my experience with individuals at level one, two, or three in the addiction level that they are more quickly able to go through and say, okay, here's my game plan. Here's how I get this part out. And they use the game plan effectively. It's levels four, five, six, and seven that it's critical that you use the internal game planning. You need to identify what the issue is, why you're wanting to look at pornography in the moment. That is a critical part if you're at one of those higher levels of four, five, or six in the pornography addiction level. Now, there's one other part to an internal game plan that I have found to be effective. It's using imagery to your benefit. In the past, fantasy images have been a detriment to you. But now we're going to use images that are helpful. For example, if you will walk through an exercise with me. I want you to imagine, let's go to the Bible, and let's go to uh, Joseph who is fleeing from Potiphar's wife. If you can imagine yourself sitting at the computer, feeling this craving to look at pornography. And as soon as you recognize that feeling, if in your mind you could think, Joseph fleeing from Potiphar's wife. Even if you have to say it in your own mind, Joseph fleeing from Potiphar's wife. I am Joseph. I am going to flee. If you can put that image in your mind, it can be a very valuable tool because you're seeing yourself succeed. You're seeing yourself fleeing. It's the momentum that you're going to need. I can do this. I can get away. I can flee. I can get out of this. The next analogy would be, and this is a little bit stronger, it happened with Lot's wife. She turned back to the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, and she turned to salt. What we know is she didn't just turn back, she went back. When you're trying to break the addictive cycle, sometimes you do go back. It's like, dang, I gave in. But some people succeed in it because they're able to say, oh, I don't want to turn to salt. Now, that may sound a little bit crazy or whatever, but those are examples that have worked for some of my clients. They use imagery to succeed. Let me include a few other things here that are very important. If you're going to succeed, you've got to have protective barriers around you. Protective barriers come in many different forms. One of the most important protective barriers is that you don't do it alone. Whether you're a level one dealing with level one addiction or whether you're dealing with level seven addiction. It's not something that you do alone. Accountability. I want to talk about accountability. People who succeed, not only do they not do it by themselves, but they have a partner in the process of change. That could be a family member, a spouse, a parent. It could be a roommate. It could be a girlfriend. It could be whoever but you don't do it by yourself, a religious leader. And the way that you don't do it by yourself is there's some tools that I will now give to you. 
first of all, you want to be able to talk to somebody about it. Now, I know you don't want to talk to somebody about it. Most people don't want to admit that they've got a problem with pornography. But that's the very reason why you need to talk with somebody about it. In fact, I often encourage some of my clients to to identify a person who they really don't want to tell. Maybe it's a mom or a dad or a spouse in this situation. Okay, I'm going to tell them. What occurs when they tell them is it's no longer a secret. The thing with pornography is it is an anonymous addiction. You don't have to go buy the alcohol. You don't have to go buy a drug. All you have to do is turn on the internet and you've got enough access to free pornography. So it's a very anonymous addiction. So what occurs when you start talking about it in accountability is you start having other team members to assist you. Now, how long should they be team members? If you're married, I believe it needs to be for many, many months and years. And what I tell couples who are married, it's important that you check in with each other on a regular basis. At least, if you're a higher level, four, five, six addiction, you need to be doing it weekly. In fact, one couple that I was working with, the husband in the morning would get up in the morning and he'd look at his wife and say, I'm not going to look at pornography today. She'd say, great. He had a rubber band on his wrist, and for the first few weeks of their treatment plan, every time the thought came to his mind, he would pluck himself with a rubber band. At the end of the day, his wife said, how many times did you have to pluck yourself today? You know, five, six, ten. The point is, he was accountable to her. And because of his willingness to do that, he was able to fight it because he knew that he had her support. Now, that was a very courageous woman. That's something I'll talk a little bit later if you're a spouse and you've been deeply impacted by this, you want your partner to do it all by themselves, you don't want to help, there are ways that you can help. And I'll talk about that in a different section later. So we're talking about accountability. If you're a level one, two, or three, you probably ought to be accountable to somebody once a month. Now, there is the great program out there that I want to make everybody aware of. It's called CovenantEyes.com. Again, that's CovenantEyes.com. They charge a little over $6 a month for you to download a program that identifies every website that you go visit. And so it sends a report to your partner, to whoever your accountability partner is. It sends the report to them. It could be weekly. It could be every other week or once a month. It sends them a report. And in that report, it basically says everything over this score, let's say the score is a 60, is probably pornographic website sexually explicit in nature. And it basically scores that. If it's below a 20, it's not pornographic, but it could be a little bit on the edge. But it basically will give you an overall summary. This person did not have problem this week. That works with Internet Explorer, with Netscape, with basically everything. Now, obviously, there's ways around that for people who use file sharing. There's some issues with that. It's not a completely perfect system, but it's a very good system to require accountability. Now, if you're looking for change and you're the one who's addicted to pornography, find an accountability partner. CovenantEyes.com, I believe it is a very good and productive website that helps people be accountable. So that's a protective barrier that I wanted to talk about. We want to reduce your vulnerable times. A good protective barrier is to reduce the times that you're vulnerable. In other words, if you're at work You say, during my lunch is when I normally have given in to pornography. 
During lunch, I'm going to go do something else because I know that when I'm at work, I work hard, but it's when I'm on my lunch break that I look at pornography. Well, get away while you're on your lunch break, do something different. If you're a college student, it's getting away from the computer when your roommates aren't around. If your roommates aren't around or they're asleep, the computer doesn't get turned on. Well, if it doesn't get turned on, it's a little bit more difficult. You can't find pornography if you're not vulnerable to it at that moment. We want to reduce the vulnerable times. If a person is exposed to it 100 times, they're a lot more likely to give in than if they're exposed to it 10 times. So we want to reduce the frequency of vulnerability. Some people want to put filters on the computer. Now, I want to talk a little bit about filters. You can actually type in various different search engines for uh, filtering systems. There are some very good filtering systems that require passwords in order to get onto certain websites. That, too, can be effective. My experience has been this. If you put a filter on, recognize that it can be broken. Most people can find a way around a filter. In fact, some people actually find it more curious. It's like, I wonder if I could type this in and see something, or I wonder if I could type, and they actually get a high off trying to break through the filter system. If that's you and you're addicted to the pornography and that's why filters haven't worked in the past, then my suggestion is is to do the covenant eyes thing. You know what? It's not a bad idea to have a filter. A filter and covenant eyes is a pretty good reinforcement. So those are three things. Reduce the vulnerable times, be accountable, a site like Covenant Eyes to somebody else, or have them talk to you once a week or once a month. Now, Covenant Eyes makes it so they know. And if you're married to somebody, Covenant Eyes really can increase the trust in your relationship. Next, report to somebody for an extended period of time. A good protective barrier is for you to go to them. Not that they have to ask you. You go to them and ask them, you know what, I'm going to need some help with this. Can I come talk with you? My opinion is is that most people who are dealing with any type of pornography involvement, they need to be accountable for at least a year. If you're married, I believe it's a good thing to do throughout your whole marriage. That then is a, a protocol of creating protective barriers. Now I want to go to the next thing. If you are a person who is dealing with your own emotions, understanding yourself is a very critical point. Most of the assignments that I've given today is related to understanding yourself. A very effective way to understand yourself is to keep a daily journal. And in a daily journal, it's a valuable thing to write down your fantasies and your behaviors on a daily basis. I didn't fantasize today. I didn't look at any pornography and I didn't masturbate. That could be what you've recorded. I had a tough day today. My fantasy was very, they just wouldn't go away all day long. I was just craving looking at pornography, and sadly, I, I gave in. Those are the types of things that if you start to write down, you start to identify your own patterns. Sometimes writing things down, now we take it to the level of, I want to understand myself. I have felt like looking at pornography. I didn't look at pornography. And the reason why I didn't look at pornography was because, and then you write down your success. That is an encouraging thing. We're moving to momentum. If you are willing to, you can review that process of your journal writing with somebody and say, here's my journal. And you can actually hand that to them. Sometimes that's a very helpful tool. Some people say, no way, I'm not going to do that. If you want to begin to know that you're going to make it through this. You involve someone else. It's a very helpful thing. Now, I want to mention one other thing about writing in a journal. Writing in a journal also allows you to find out what your pain is. I really believe that a lot of pornography addiction comes from some type of pain, being alone. 
And so what happens in the human mind, let's say I'm feeling alone. In the human mind, we need to find a solution to that. If you're writing in a journal and you're thinking about it, how do I get more involved? You're encouraging your mind to find a solution. Rather than focusing on the problems, which leads to looking at the pornography, we're now looking at solutions. I feel alone. Well, what do I do about it? Well, I could call up my friend Joe. I could call up my friend Susan. I could invite them to go out to get some lemonade or some ice cream. I could go be more social. I could go to an activity in my neighborhood. I could actually invite people over to my home. Now we're looking at solutions. Those types of thoughts can come while you're writing in a journal. So it's important that you do that. Write thoughts down in a journal. Look for solutions to your own pains. Now, I want to move to what I call understanding withdrawal. Any type of a treatment protocol requires you to understand that you will go through withdrawal. Anytime we are dealing with a type of an addiction, you don't just stop. Almost every time there is some type of a withdrawal symptom. So I'd like to give you some of the common withdrawal symptoms. One could be fatigue. Well, why fatigue? Well, because I'm not sleeping very well. Many of the young men and older men that I've talked to, they aren't sleeping when they're trying to recover. And the reason why they're not sleeping is because their, their body is craving it. And so they don't sleep as well. Sometimes another withdrawal symptoms is they're tense or they're nervous. Sometimes people get headaches. Sometimes people shake. Sometimes they have extremely high sexual arousal and they're just, it's what I called earlier, with a white knuckling it. Sometimes their body aches. At times they have gentle sensitivity. They literally have pain in their genitals. Sometimes itchy skin, sometimes chills or sweats, sometimes they feel nauseous. These are all symptoms of withdrawal. If you have experienced them, it's because your body is feeling the withdrawal from the chemicals. Now, again, one of the reasons why it's important to understand the withdrawal symptoms is because it takes time to get those symptoms out of your system. And so it may be 14 days, and you might have a very, very hard few days because your body is so used to the high. This is especially true if you are at a level 5, 6, or 7 in the pornography addiction levels. If you're on the higher levels of pornography addiction level, you really, really are going to go through withdrawal. You almost need to predict it. You need to expect it. At this point, I'd like to make another comment about this. Researchers have found, especially Dr. Carnes and his work, that many people who have sexual addictions included in that is pornography, they have other addictions as well. So individuals who are dealing with sexual addictions also may be dealing with alcohol addictions, overeating. Some are dealing with drug addictions. Others are dealing with work addictions. The reality is, is that it is more likely that a person who has an addiction to, say, pornography is going to be addicted to other things. So a point I would like to make here If you are addicted to pornography, take some time right now and write down other things that you may be addicted to. For example, are you addicted to spending money? Are you addicted to alcohol? Are you addicted to drugs? Are you addicted to work? Because that's the only other place where you can find the high. And what I've written about on the website uh, treatingpornographyaddiction.com is that you can actually have multiple addictions, what I call an addictive personality. You're used to a high, you expect a high, and your brain chemistry lives off that high arousal state. Some people actually become addicted to anger. But people who live at a high addiction level 
It's because they are used to the high. If we're going to break the cycle, we need to understand that there's going to be withdrawals and we need to understand as many areas of addiction as there are. What are you addicted to? And so I would encourage you to take some time and write down the things that you're addicted to. One key element that we are now finding more and more relevant in in the treatment protocol of treating any addiction, and this is a principle that I call the productivity principle. Let me define productivity principle. A productivity principle is related to this. When you are being productive, your energy goes up. When you're not being productive, your energy goes down. That's pretty obvious, but consider this. When you are looking at pornography, where is your energy at? It's really high, and generally afterwards, it goes down significantly. So the building up to the pornography is where the rush is. The looking and viewing pornography keeps you at a high, and then it generally ends with masturbation, and you come down emotionally. That's because the endorphin level has been high and now it's going nowhere else but down. So the productivity principle then says, if we're going to keep your energy high, you can actually get used to a positive high. I mentioned exercise earlier. But I've also found the same holds true for people who are being productive at work, at school, in relationships. People get a high off multiple things. It's learning where you can get a high off something that is healthy. So let me give you an example of this. A young man came into my office. He was a college student. It was the middle of the semester, and he was way behind. He and I chatted for a whole hour about his homework, about the challenge he was having with his homework, about getting focused. So what I did is I had him take out a piece of paper, and I said, okay, I want you to write down the assignments that are due this week. I want you to write down the papers that are due in the next two weeks, the tests you're going to have. I want you to write down what's going to happen by the end of the semester, what needs to happen in each of your classes. And within an hour, we had mapped and outlined what he needed to do for the rest of the semester. As he was getting ready to leave, he stood up and he said, you know, I've never done it this way before. I've never put it together this way So my mind understands what I need to do. By the end of the semester, his C's and D's had become A's and B's. And the reason why is because he had learned how to be productive. Not only had he done that, but instead of getting the C's and D's and looking at pornography, he had focused his energy and attention on his schoolwork. He was literally getting a high off going to school, getting good grades, attending his classes. And my point is this, the productivity principle works because when you're being productive, your energy goes up. And when your energy is up, you're much more likely to win the battle with pornography. Not many of my clients say, hey, I had a great week. I turned in my paper, did my test, and I had a date with my girlfriend, and I looked at pornography. Now, sometimes that does occur because people relax to the point where they give in. But more often than not, when your energy's up, you're more likely to win the battle because you're feeling better about yourself. So now what I want to say to you is this. Identify the areas where you're not being productive. Are you effective at work? Probably not. Are you effective at school? Well, no, I'm not productive there either. Are you productive in your parenting with your children? Wherever that may fit, are you being productive? Well, now I'm going to ask you to create a mental map. And what I mean by a mental map, your mind loves to understand what it's experiencing and what it's going to have to go through. 
So if you can sit down and write down and map out how you're going to be more effective and then put it into play, not only do you want to write it out, but you want to monitor it. How did I do today? And again, that, that is something that you can do with your accountability partner. If you have somebody that says, hey, how are you doing? Hey, here's the things that I've accomplished. Here's the things that I'm doing. If you can find somebody like that, you'll be much better off. So the productivity principle, I believe it is one of the key principles to the healing process is you need to re-engender energy. You need to get focused and have fun. And fun comes when you're being productive. Think about the energy. What's the favorite thing that you like to do? Now, imagine yourself doing that. If it's a sport or if it's reading a good book, if it's going on a vacation, whatever it is, think about yourself doing that and think about what your energy level is like. Conversely, consider what's it like? What do you feel like when you've been giving in to pornography day after day or three to five times a week or whatever your pattern is? How do you feel when you've given in? Now, notice the difference. There's a stark difference. If you want to succeed, start being productive today. Choose what that's going to be. Write it down. Measure it. As you be productive, your energy will go up and you'll be more likely to win and fight this battle. Now, in conclusion of this section, I want to talk about a very important concept that no addiction treatment is good without, and that is the spiritual element. Every anonymous organization believes that they can utilize their spiritual strength in understanding God as a healing process. I want to discuss that in a general sense for a second. First of all, I want you to write down three words right below each other. The first is what I call level one. Level one is where you have no thoughts of why you're doing what you're doing. It's patterns. You do the same thing over and over and over again. That's the same thing as looking at pornography day after day after day after day and never really thinking about why you're doing it, what's the purpose behind it, what's it accomplishing. It's just doing the pattern over and over again. Part of the exercise of treating pornography addiction requires you to get to now what I call level two. This is a level where you start to process, why am I doing this? What's it accomplishing? Why am I wanting to look at pornography right now? Those are thoughts that are level two thoughts. In general, at level two, you start observing your own feelings, your own thoughts, your own emotions. At level two, you start asking questions. Why am I doing this? Why do I believe I'm a failure? Why do I believe that nobody cares about me? At level two is when you really are getting into a deeper emotional state. Level one is where you're more in your mind. It's all cognitive. You're, just, you're not thinking a whole lot. You're just kind of living life. It's one life pattern after the next. You aren't really thinking about it. At level two, you start to observe your own emotions, your own thoughts, and your own feelings. At this level, you're more prone to succeed. The reason why is you're observing your true inner self. And most people believe they have an inner self. Some people call it a conscience. If you listen to that inner self, you begin to be more, oh, I'm feeling this way because of this. So that's level one, that's level two, and now level three. Level three occurs when we are pondering on solutions. 
How can I not look at pornography? And you literally are getting deep within yourself, your own emotional state, and you ask yourself this question. How can I stop? How can I do it different? And then you write down what comes to your mind. And in a very real sense, I have had people tell me that thoughts have come to their mind that come from a higher source. If you can get to level two and level three, you can create real long-lasting change because you're listening to your inner voice and a higher source to help you solve the problems. Religious people clearly understand that deity will help them overcome their pain and their problems. If you turn to that higher source, it requires that you get out of level one mind tapes. I call those mind tapes the tapes that run over and over and over and over again. They're negative thoughts, they're negative behaviors, they're negative patterns. If we get to level two and we understand ourselves, we understand our own emotional pain, the moment we start doing that, we start inviting higher sources for feedback on how to heal ourselves. Now, I want to close with this concept because I firmly believe that the true healing occurs when you listen to your own mind, your own heart, and you invite a higher source for guidance in how to change your behavior. Sometimes the act of change comes when we know that we can do it and that God still cares about us. So let me conclude with a story. When a client came to my office, he said, I know that God doesn't care about me anymore. He doesn't believe in me because I've told him over and over and over in my prayers that I'm not going to give in. And I keep giving in. And I know that God doesn't care about me. And at that point, I knew that this became a God issue. That's where his pain was. Yes, he was addicted. He had his own addictions. But he said, I know that God doesn't care about me anymore. And that's one of the beliefs that he had that allowed him to keep looking at pornography and even acting out further than more than pornography. And he said, I just know that. Well, I knew his belief. And so as a therapist, I believe that my best therapy is done when I help people alter the beliefs that are false. And so we started talking through and I gave him the treatment protocol that I've given to you today. I've went through that with him and we started to get hope and we started to get excitement. And then I taught him about level one, two, and three. And I sat him down and I said, at level two, what's the real question of your heart? And it was, does God care about me anymore? And he said, yeah, he does care about me. I know he cares about me. And he wants me to succeed and he doesn't think I'm a bad person. He understands my addiction and he cares about me. A significant turning point because you understand that you're not alone, that you've got someone on your side that's of a higher source. But you can't live at level one. Level one keeps you in the addiction. Now in closing, I just want to thank you again for taking the time to listen to these CDs. I hope that you will find them beneficial. I hope that if you have other questions that you will feel free to email me. You can email me at the letter K Skinner at treating-pornography-addiction.com. 
I know it's long, but I want you to understand we can treat pornography addiction. And I want to wish you good luck in this battle. I know that this is the beginning part of the process. You can do it. And as you work through these CDs, I invite you to listen to them over and over and over again. Personalize them. Understand the tools. These are the beginning steps of creating change in overcoming a pornography addiction.